You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello and welcome to Nick Luck Daily, the show that brings you the latest news and the sharpest insight from around the world of horse racing. Tom Stanley in for Nick on Wednesday, January the 26th. Nick is off to the Pegasus, flies out today, and we'll be bringing you regular updates from the Pegasus this week in association with HBA Media. Uh, Today we'll hear from Jimmy Vargas, who is the Chief Executive of First Experience, telling us what's new at the Pegasus this year. We'll be talking to Polly Gundry about Santini's start in the Cotswold Chase, second start for her this Saturday. We'll be talking about novice hurdle entries at the Cheltenham Festival, how there's been a, a drop in the numbers competing there. It really in keeping with the drop in the number of novice chase entries as well. But the story that has really gripped horse racing in the last 24 hours has been that the BHA are going to abolish the £3 COVID-19 allowance and that will be replaced from Saturday, March the 26th, with an increase to the minimum weight in flat races from 8 stone to 8 stone 2, and over jumps from 10 stone to 10 stone 2. Rishi Passad, broadcaster and journalist, will be alongside shortly to discuss this. Uh, first of all, though, one of the jockeys, and there have been plenty, Richard Kingscote, very outspoken on an interview with Matt Chapman on Sky Sports Racing. Um, Ross Coakley's tweeted about it, Jamie Spencer has tweeted about about it shared a petition to um to turn this round and to, to keep the three pound allowance brett doyle as well and tom marquand has tweeted about this as well i caught up with tom earlier this morning he was uh, sweating in his his tub at home and first of all asked him how much of a difference he expects the scrapping of the three pound allowance will make yeah enormous in reality like um for me you know, this morning I've got eight ten on a filly and novice, uh, three on filly and a novice. Um, I, I've got up at half six. You know, I've done forty five minutes on the watt bike in the sweatsuit already. Um, I've just jumped in the hot tub where I'm currently talking to you from. Um, you know, that's that's the reality of a jockey's life. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the perception is, but uh, by the sounds of it, people seem to think that having the extra three pound, people are just lying in bed for an extra hour and. Um, taking it for granted and just turning up three pound heavier, but it's just not the case. Um, you know, it's been a bit of a lifeline to us over the last um, sort of two years, and I think the way everyone's reacted to having it, adapted to it, not having the saunas, having the weight allowance, has shown how much we've needed it. Um, you know, everybody's managing their weight better. Everyone's turning up in better form. Um, there's definitely been a lot less cases of overweight on the day, um, which to me is probably one of the biggest things because, um, you know, A, for trainers, they're not booking a jockey that suddenly can't do the weight. B, for punters, they're not backing a horse six hours before that suddenly it's carrying a pound overweight. And, you know, there, there's so many elements to it. Um, and I think losing losing the weight allowance is a big, is a big step back in the wrong direction because it's basically means a morning like this morning where I've got to lose three slash four pounds in another six weeks time that adds another three pounds onto that number because it's the weight I wake up and it's the same for every jockey in the weighing room if you're if you wake up nine stone you push your weight 
if you wake up eight seven you push your weight if you wake up nine seven you push your weight so um in reality it's 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 always going to happen at all ends of the scale of jockeys but the three pound has been a huge huge help so so basically what you're saying is you you you, you're going to live to your means if you like you are you are always going to to push to your minimum um and if without that three pounds that there could be a few jockeys and you you know you it's not necessarily going to be a career ender for you but there are going to be some people who are going to find themselves do you think in darker places as a result of this without shadow of a doubt and and i think the biggest thing it will lead to is people making the wrong decisions um you, you know I, I know people don't see within the weighing room um but i think it's a it's a fair sort of comment to say uh, in every single apprentice's life at some point or another whether it's when they get heavier or when they first begin and they're trying to do a really lightweight because they're desperate for the rides and um, you know there's always going to be the day where they turn up half pound three quarters of a pound a pound heavier than they think they left home because their scales aren't right or whatever or they've not had time to have a sweat because they're riding out five six lots um they're going to get to the races suddenly panic that they can't do the weight and where now with the weight allowance everybody's just got that little bit of room for manoeuvre they're not having to do anything silly all they have to do is maybe stick on a pair of light breeches and a pair of thinner boots and they can do the weight because they've got that bit of room there now if if this does come in all it's going to turn them to is right what can i do to get rid of three quarters of a pound i've got 20 minutes well you can't run that weight off in 20 minutes when it's cold in the middle of winter they're going to turn to things like flipping mm. uh, and, and, and things that we have actually, you know, to, 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 to me, so being within the way, everyone's made so much progress within the last sort of 18 months of COVID because they've not had to do it because they've got this little bit of wiggle room. Um, and it's it's the most important three pounds of a, of a jockey's weight at the lower end. I mean, as anyone will tell you, um, Tom, has the has the weighing room been a in all seriousness? If you if you look at the last couple of years with everything that's been going on, do you feel that by and large it's been a slightly happier place because of that that this this allowance? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, you know, I think that a lot of stress has been put on the fact that oh, it's the sauna that's changed it, but it's not the sauna. In reality, it's the fact we haven't had the saunas plus the weight allowance, and you're not you're not getting jockeys sprinting out of the sauna with. 16 minutes to spare when you have to be on the scales with 15 minutes to to go till race time to weigh out and scraping through and then you know when when people are doing that they're rushing straight out onto the horse they're not thinking straight the heart rate's still up from the sauna um it's not the act of sweating that's the problem it's it's the added stress and um you know your your, your life revolves around the number on the scale and um I think I think the the last the last eighteen months has really shown how much that three pound has made a difference because the atmosphere is polar opposite to what it was three four years ago. Um, I think the thing yeah. the, the thing I find amazing from from an outsider's point of view because effectively in you know in this situation I, I'm I'm looking in um, the the people that this directly affects i.e. individuals whose weight this affects feel surprised at this decision which I think is the the thing that I'm struggling to get my my head around. I mean. I know there was a questionnaire that went out, but is the consensus that there's been no consultation with the people that this directly affects, and that's what the frustration is? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, look, obviously, it was sprung at a time that was far from ideal for the PGA and Dale Gibson to be handling. Like, um, you know, he does a fantastic job, but this was one that has 
has made his life impossible because he literally had to say yes, no, stick his hand up and um, it's turned out that that's what's happened and that's why there was no consultation of the flat jockeys and things like that. And, and you know, as I said, I, I can't speak for jump jockeys because I've I've not spent any time around them since one o'clock yesterday when the news came out. Um, but I think I think that's the biggest feeling of sort of we've been cheated out of it because when we did the survey, it was, do you want the saunas with no £3 allowance or do you want your £3 allowance with no saunas? And everybody nearly unanimously, barring I think it's a 4% earlier on, like agreed with they would rather have the three pound allowance and not have the saunas and without the consultation of jockeys that's completely been skewed and now we've ended up with no saunas and no allowance. Rishi Tom Marquan there summing up the thoughts I think of a, a lot of jockeys we've heard from in the last 24 hours there is uh, an ongoing petition now which has now got up to, what time are we? 9.41 on Wednesday morning. We are up to 740 people have signed it. They're wanting to get to 1,000. I would imagine they will get there, given the trajectory that that is on currently. Um, the, the rules makers annoying the competitors. The horse racing strikes again, it seems, Rishi. What's your take? Yeah, unfortunately, it's a familiar theme, Tom. Um, obviously, in, in summary, the increase... Uh, of the £2 minimum weight uh, over jumps and on the flat, replaces the £3 allowance that has been permitted, um, as we've heard, since racing resumed in June, when the saunas became defunct. And there's a collective feeling, as you've heard, as we've all seen on social media, etc., uh, amongst the reaction from jockeys, and I've, I've actually canvassed the opinion myself of a few, um, that in the survey that they all completed, the suggestion was the permanent removal of the saunas would keep the £3 allowance in effect, but there was little or, or no indication that the trade-off for removing a saunas would be the, the £2 minimum weight rise. And that's what I think the jockeys find difficult because they didn't sign up to something like that. Um, one rider pointed out to me that jockeys understand that making weight is part of their job. It goes with the territory, but they feel that that decision has been reached without their consultation um, and there's a fair amount of uncertainty and frustration that this, the, the current system allowing the three-pan allowance, which has helped with well-being in particular, um, is being cast aside for a seemingly plan B, which didn't appear to be on the table in the first place. And it's that latter issue of you know, health, nutrition, well-being that the three-pound allowance gives. And that, that sort of comfort blanket for the jockeys uh, is, is going to go. And that that surely, given what they've all said, or the majority of them have said, the fact that they've all signed this petition and the numbers on that petition are increasing, surely that in itself suggests that something's wrong with the, the, the statement and the new plan that's on the table. I think that the thing that astounds me is how we can get to the point of a, of a petition that's being set up, that's being shared by the competitors in the sport, the people who this rule... Um, directly affects what why we're at this point when the rules makers are, are clearly I don't believe for a second the BHA are, are out to shaft jockeys they're, they're not out to, to catch them out surely they have their mental health and their health at the the the, the the height of their interest. And yet we're in this position where jockeys are upset by this and, and fighting back against it. And it's bringing the sport into disrepute. How on earth have we arrived here in such a short space of time? Well, the, 
the simple answer to that question is clearly there's a huge disconnect between the rules that the BHA are prepared to implement, uh, the thoughts and feedback from the jockeys, and how one is at complete odds with the other. So the connect comes, you would think, from the PJA trying to liaise and understand and uh, provide all the necessary information to both sides in order to reach the right conclusion. But somewhere along the way, uh, the communication and the thought processes have all gone astray. And it, it, there's clearly been another breakdown in communication somewhere. Um, yeah, one, one writer said to me that these that the PJA are supposed to be looking out for them. Um, and so it's, it's, it's difficult to, to be certain, well, I certainly have no idea how it's ended up this, this far away from what the jockeys really want and what they feel really benefit themselves, benefit them as a group to, to what's been planned. Uh, it, it's, it's a pretty bad situation in all honesty because it feels like if we could go back to it again, go back to the beginning, that a little bit better consultation, a little bit better reading of the room might have ended up with a, a simpler result. But it seems that the room hasn't been read once again. And maybe no coincidence uh, that, of course, um, Paul Struthers stepped down, the former chief executive of the, the PJA. The interim chief executive is um, Dale Gibson, um, who I have liaised with today. Um, he said there are ongoing meetings in response to this. And we're going to hopefully try and, and catch up tomorrow with an update from his point of view. Um, and it's also worth pointing out that I think most of the jockeys, by and large, we've heard from have been flat jockeys and not um, jump jockeys, but I'll endeavour to get an update from a jump jockey on the pod again for you tomorrow. Rishi, as we are um, discussing this, literally right now, the BHA have um, unravelled a thread which begins in light of comments made in relation to the £2 riding weight increase announced yesterday. The BHA would like to clarify a few areas in relation to the policy and consultation. This is BHA Press Office a Twitter page. Um, the, I'm not going to read out every single one. The key points they're saying the three pound COVID allowance has not been removed in its entirety, as has been suggested. It has been replaced by a two pound rise in both the minimum and maximum weights in all races other than pattern races, where weight structure will be reviewed on a race by race basis and flat amateur races. The raising of the maximum weight in handicaps has the effect of shifting the weights up meaning all riders will carry two pounds more than previously was the case in the vast majority of Great British races pre-COVID and just one pound less than during the temporary COVID measures. They finished by saying the two pounds weight rise is one pound less than was requested by the PJA through the consultation and is an outcome which reflects consideration and balancing of all the conflicting views presented by the parties consulted with your thoughts uh there's a, obviously a lot to digest from what they have said um just flicking through their their thread as you've uh proceed i think i think it seems to me uh first of all that the bha are trying to emphasize that there is an overall benefit to all riders of two pounds particularly obviously in, in handicaps right taking the maximum weight up by two pounds as well, um, as well as the minimum weight. So I'm, I'm just surmising what the BHA have uh, said here. Um, and they believe that the 
the, the two pound weight rise is a, a bridge between what the PJA, PJA uh, aimed for, which was obviously the PJA did try to get the three pounds uh, allowance, um, but also the BHA have had cross country, cross industry uh, racing group discussions and recommendations discussed with uh, the NTF. Um, and it, it seems as if they are basically saying that what they've come up with is a pretty decent compromise for all across the board in terms of health, well-being, uh, the welfare of the jockeys, the welfare of the horses, etc. Because in fact, in one of the tweets, they say concerns were expressed by the NTF about potential impact on some horses of routinely setting higher weights. Um, so it's clear that they've taken a lot of factors into account here. But somewhere still along the line, um, it seemed as if they, they drifted away from what the jockeys themselves really wanted. So uh, I suspect they'd be interested to hear now what the reaction would be from the, the PJA uh, to this particular thread that the, the BHA have released. I think the BHA have made a, a decent case, in fairness, and what I've read initially here, to say that they've tried to... Uh, satisfy all parties that they've consulted with and have been involved in the decision-making process. Again, it feels as though it comes down to a breakdown in communication. Why the BHA have to you know, release this statement as a, exactly. as a sort of defensive threat. But there we are. Hopefully, as I say, uh, an update from um, interim chief executive of the PGA, Dale Gibson, tomorrow. Uh, right. Um, Again, linked to, to COVID, there is going to be a change in line with government guidelines. Rishi, a press release went out about this yesterday, that COVID-19 measures are set to be eased at racecourses in England from Thursday, the 27th of January, tomorrow, in line with the lifting of those Plan B restrictions. What does this mean in the main? Yeah, I think it's just a little bit more discretion allowed on the part of the public, people who are going racing, uh, obviously face coverings, uh, it's it's a sort of personal decision uh, moving forward. Um, they'll still be recommended uh, when you're in close contact areas. Uh, the weighing room, though, remains still pretty tightly. I think the phrase that they used in the press release was tightly managed. Um, you still have to produce a negative negative lateral flow test to get in. They'll still have social distancing measures in place. Um, I can understand that because obviously those people are in, are in far closer contact with each other and they're the competitors that we need to keep healthy and fit to, to keep the sport on the road. Um, it's, it's seemingly straightforward and the overall, the overall feeling is that we are making progress as a, as a country, as a nation, getting a little bit back to normal, a little bit more back to normal, um, but still managing in, certain, in terms of horse racing, still managing that weighing room complex area, which is obviously crucial to the, to the sport continuing. Uh, the last thing we want is an outbreak in the weighing room, which um, keeps maybe putting us on, on hiatus or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, racing just following uh, the general national guidelines. And let's hope that we continue on this path and uh, pretty soon we, we get back to something a little bit more normal than it currently is. Yeah, those um, restrictions lifted as of tomorrow. Uh, the other notable point of news yesterday, I think, was that the entries for the novice races, novice hurdle races, sorry, mm. the Cheltenham Festival mm. are out. Um, just to pick up on a, a tweet from Matt Toombs um, at The Speeder, which I thought was particularly interesting. He tied in, Rishi, the... 
as novice hurdle entries with the novice chase entries that have come out and said entries for seven all aged level weights novice races at the festival compared to five years ago. Uh, now the, the Supreme and the, and the Ballymore and the Albert Bartlett are down on last year as well, but compared to five years ago, Supreme mm-hmm. novices hurdle down 27%, Ballymore down 19%, the Albert Bartlett down 50%, the Arkle 27%, Turner's 33%, Broadway 15% and the formerly four miler. 33 percent he finished it saying what we need is some more festival races well we know how he feels about that but is this a concern Rishi the 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 drop in entries compared to five years ago and again seemingly year on year by and large it's it's no more of a concern Tom today than it was last year or the year before or the year before that or the year before that it's one-way traffic with regards to racing in this country I've said it I've been on this podcast a number of times with yourself, with Nick, um, and wherever I get the opportunity to talk about the amount of racing we have and the situation where we increase the festival sizes, we increase the number of races, the number of options, it's it's inevitable. I, mean, it, I, I don't understand, obviously, great research, but in general, I think I... I I don't understand how people can expect anything less. We're going in one direction at the moment. It's only going to be like this across the board. Field sizes in general are down. Racecourse attendances in general are down. Entries at the major festivals, as Matt has pointed out in his excellent research tweet, are down. Is there not a message that we continue to keep hearing year upon year upon year? Is anyone doing anything about it? Uh, well, what's going to happen next year? And yeah, yeah, we, we could be in a position where we're, we're looking at um, another day at the festival um, anyway. <laughs> that um, just doesn't <laughs> make any sense whatsoever. Mm, anyway. Going to happen. Um, <laughs> talking, of the, talking of the festival, Rishi, um, Santini has a, an engagement, first of all, at Cheltenham on, on Trials Weekend this Saturday in the Cotswold Chase and may well then be heading to the festival, depending on what he does. In what race? Um, that's a question I eventually put to now trainer Polly Gundry. But um, first of all, turned our attention to this Saturday. I think it looks a really nice race with eight entries. Um, one or two might swerve it. Uh, so to have probably five, six or seven in it would be ideal. Um, uh, I'm whilst I'm um, obviously nervous. I'm. I think he's really well, and I'm very pleased with how he is at home. Did, were you pleased with last time? Was that what you expected off the the back of a big old absence? <laughs> yeah, um, it was one of those things that uh, we asked Harry to go and be positive, and then because um, Venetia's horse went off quite quickly, oh. and Harry was positive and didn't take Venetia's horse on at all but went with was mostly four or five lengths or two or three lengths behind that horse uh we did too much too early and therefore he got really tired he'll strip fitter for that race anyway and he's a bit leaner anyway um I was really I was really pleased that he went and ran and jumped with some zest but I was um very I'm very cautious that he did get really quite tired uh turning in and therefore I've been building his confidence up ever since. So hopefully we've eradicated um, that feeling of him being really tired and hopefully he'll come out and run well again. Well, when he, when he got to you, Polly, what were your sort of, 
you know, based upon the fact that he was a pretty well-known horse anyway. What, what were your first assessments of him at home and settling in? Um, uh, he, he's always been a charming horse. He's a real gentleman. And he was just a bit too much of a gentleman again. Um, I think it's been pretty well documented in, in the past that uh, Nicky Henderson had, had struggled a little bit with his feet and all I've done is try to make sure he's comfortable in his feet mm. and then if he's comfortable in his feet hopefully he can go and, put his, go, go and run with some confidence. And I, I love this idea of which I, I, I feel you know I, I think it, it can definitely be the case that horses, in a way, can be too nice, can they? They can, you know. Oh, absolutely! And he's definitely one of those. Um, when he bucks and plays and really gets quite fizzy, I would, I, I rarely will I ever reprimand him in mm. any shape or form for getting too fizzy because he is such a gentleman. He would definitely wear a bow tie if he was human, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's very important that he feels bullish and arrogant. He has got a lovely arrogance about him uh, when in good form, and and I'm. I think he has that at the moment. All right, so, um, you know, Cotswold Chase, obviously, first step. Then uh, some some notable entries, some some real possibilities, I suppose, potentially back over hurdles, potentially lining up in a gold yes. cup, potentially um, going to a cross-country. Where, where are you sort of with him at the moment, Polly? Richard uh, Calvin Hughes very much was keen to enter in the in a hurdle the stairs hurdle in case we felt that he wasn't loving the fences mm. Richard and I sing off the same hymn sheet um, so it's, it's uh, I was very happy uh, with whatever suggestion Richard comes up with partly because I've not trained horses at this level um, and he's had, had several of them so uh, I think we were just aware that it might be the fences that were making him back off uh, not not you know, not other things. And so for that reason, we're giving ourselves options. Um, in uh, He's a good jumper generally, uh, a very good jumper. So I, I'd like to think he could go um, go and stay chasing, but we're keeping the options open mm. for that reason. And I know Harry rode him first start for you. Nick Nick jocked up at the moment, That that the, the plan to have Nick on board? The plan to have Nick on board because... Um, Harry is, if we were to go down the Gold Cup route, mm. Harry has got protect, protectorate. Um, it was, we did think, well, Harry had done a really good job and Harry has been a great support that we would keep Harry on. But if I would, it, it was sort of me that really wanted to have the person on that was likely to ride him in the Gold Cup. And as Harry probably couldn't ride him in the Gold Cup, uh, we... Uh, asked Nick. Nick comes and rides out for me a bit and rides for us a bit. Not that I've got many horses, mm. but um, also Nick was very available to come and ride him out, and so has ridden him four or five times since uh, since he ran last. So that that sort of boosts us as well. Um, Polly, really appreciate the update, and um, good luck at the weekend. Looking forward to seeing him. Thank you very much. Rishi's a popular horse. Is uh, is Santini, and um, it seems Polly's pretty excited to have him in her care. Yeah, well, I, I had the privilege of speaking to her before he ran uh, at Cheltenham on his comeback or his first start for her. Um, she was she was obviously pretty anxious about the whole experience, but loving it, which was lovely to see. Um, and I actually thought he ran a pretty good race. He looked like he got tired, 
in his own nature he's quite a large horse and uh, getting him fit for a first start in a while was always going to be difficult I'm looking forward to seeing him again um, where he ends up down the line I'm not I'm not sure but um, I think it's it's still quite he clearly still has a lot of ability I, I'm not certain he will win a gold cup um, but he's to see a horse of his ilk still competing and still having the tools to compete at a, at a high level is is reassuring. Right, our regular Pegasus World Cup update now in association with HBA Media. Here's Nick. Tom, thank you. And continuing here in Florida, the build-up to the Pegasus World Cup 2022. And today, delighted to be joined by Jimmy Vargas, who's the Chief Executive Officer of First Experience. First is the company that you might know, and the the Stronach Group has been rebranded. And Jimmy's very much part of that rebrand, trying to bring an all-round entertainment experience to racetracks in the group. And, And nowhere, perhaps, Jimmy, is it better exemplified than with the Pegasus, which is an innovator in and of itself. What's new this year? Thanks, Nick. Well, Pegasus is definitely an innovator. For us, it's always been uh, an incubator in a way to really sort of uh, drive our initiatives to modernize the sport through, like you said, the enhancement of entertainment, various experiences that really sort of help fill the gap uh, between those race cards as we attract and, and draw on hopefully these new audiences. So, this year is is many uh, many of firsts, no pun intended. But um, we're starting with you know the the grand opening to our new you know open air gathering spot right on the apron. It's called the Carousel Club. Uh, it's an amazing sort of exciting entertainment place that is going to run from day to night, which officially opens on Friday, February eighteenth. But we're doing a sneak peek for Pegasus because what better way to launch a new venue than to, you know, bring it to what, in my opinion, is is one of the most exciting days in racing. Um, so the Carousel Club uh, will be this amazing, like I said, outdoor gathering spot. I think um, it's going to really serve as a bit of a home base for sort of a bit of this new audience that we're, we're, we're we want to bring to what is you know this amazing sport, and um, you know we pair that with. Amazing views of the race, um, you know, some great uh, culinary partnerships we have within the space, um, you know, great entertainment, great live music, and just like a really cool vibe that I think um, will really help drive what the the future of, of Gulfstream Park and hopefully that carries over into, you know, what, what the race day experience is across our tracks and many others. I mean, Jimmy, even in its relative infancy, Pegasus has already developed quite a distinct brand and a a very different feel, a very different vibe to most race day experiences. What do you think really makes that happen or what's made that happen? South Florida has really embraced Pegasus uh, in terms of, you know, it being almost a kickoff event to sort of like the the event season of of South Florida. Um, So people love in this market specifically uh, the fashion elements of it. You know, we just did an amazing fashion show at the Ball Harbor shops with a partner of ours, Neiman Marcus, around like the fashion inspired pieces of what the folks will want to wear to Pegasus. And, you know, I think Pegasus carries a bit of an edge when it comes to fashion. Um, You know, we, we showcase designers such as Valentino, uh, Gucci and others, and it really sort of gives a bit of that Miami flair to what uh, the fashion of Pegasus is. But then it's also, you know, about Miami just loves a great party, you know, and and that's what we've always tried to build around Pegasus. I mean, first and foremost is, 
you know, amazing, an amazing day of, of thoroughbred racing. But how do we incorporate and integrate, like you said, in a big way, um, other various components? We have some amazing uh, hospitality partners this year. We're partnering with the guys from Eleven uh, here in Miami to help run our VIP. There's a new amazing uh, lounge that's opening in Miami that's sure to be a hit called Gala. They're taking over a space as well. We're working with the folks from Delilah who have the amazing supper club in both Los Angeles and Vegas. So racing really is is part of an overall theatre experience. You've brought Post Malone, Mark Ronson, Lenny Kravitz, J-Lo, Pharrell, Snoop Dogg to the Pegasus. It's a ridiculous list of A-listers. But people who are more traditional... um, will be thinking to themselves, ah, you're trying to push water up a hill. You can't make horse racing sexy and cool and young no matter how hard you try. What would you say to that? Well, first I'd say come to Pegasus (laughs) and check it out for yourself. But I think it's really, look, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, like anything else, in my opinion, consistency is key. That's what the Carousel Club is. I mean, first puts on some amazing large marquee race events, obviously with the Pegasus, with the Preakness and Infield Fest. But, you know, what we're really aiming for with Carousel Club is to drive, you know, a consistent operation with uh, this new audience um, that's going to come for these amazing experiences, whether it be culinary, whether it be, you know, entertainment, um, whatever it may be. But ultimately, they're going to, you know, be front and center on some amazing race days, uh race weekends in general because the venue is open you know year round and so i think that's really where we're going to start to see the tipping point of you know creating consistency bringing you know a new clientele to the track through this amazing offer offering with the carousel club and then they'll come for the they'll like i like to say they'll they'll come for the party they'll stay for the races It's Wednesday, so here's Jim McGrath with an update from Hong Kong. Nick, well, Hong Kong racing is still in shock following the defeat of Golden 68 in the Stewart's Cup at Sha Tin last Sunday. Vincent Ho has put his hand up. He's blamed himself for the defeat, correctly identifying that he gave the champ too much to do. He shows a lot of character, does Vincent. You know, a lot of people will say over their beer or their Chinese tea, well, he lost nothing in defeat. It is probably one of the most ridiculous cliches regularly trotted out in racing. The fact is, Golden 60, in finishing second and not first, lost his owner plenty. £398,000, to be exact. That was the difference between winning and losing for owner Stanley Chan Carleung. The winner's prize was £648,000 for the Group 1 contest. Why Cuckoo picked up the juicy cheque for his connections. Reputation-wise, of course, Golden 60 is still held in the highest esteem. The world rankings compiled by a group of official handicappers released this week have rated him the joint top miler on the planet, together with Shadwell's new star, Baid. That's some recognition for the Hong Kong champ. Racing returns to Happy Valley again this Wednesday, and I'm tipping Zach Purton is going to build on his giant-killing masterpiece on Waikuku at the weekend with a few winners. For me, the best is Maldives, a horse he knows well. 
in the Class 3 handicap over 1650 metres. Maldives has shown a tendency to duck out under pressure, but Zach reckons the five-year-old is getting better and he's getting a bit more mature as well. I reckon he's right. So make it race eight, number one, Maldives, and take him in a tote swinger with number two, Leap of Faith, and four, Invincible Missile. Purton's other winning chances are race six, number 10, Circuit Booming, a very promising maiden, and race seven, number three, Forte, for David Hayes. Both will go very close. There's more good racing coming up at Chart 10 at the weekend, but that's all from the Hong Kong Beat this week. I'll have more to report next week. Rishi, all that is left is for you to send us away with a winner. Or a tip. I should say a tip, because there's no pressure for it to be a winner. Although a tip should really be a winner, but no pressure. Thank you for explaining all of that and not making me feel any bad or any less bad or worse. But you're going to win Canton today. I am, yes, thank you. Oh my God, am I? (laughs) Um, Tom, congratulations. The Novices Handicap Hurdle, I really like essential... Are we pronouncing it Jacko or Yakko? What you said. (laughs) Well, I like the horse anyway. Um, I think that there's going to be plenty of pace in that race. There are a few horses who like to race a bit keen, a few horses who've made all the running to win, so I suspect that there'll be a decent amount of pace. And I like the fact that uh, essential Yakko or Jacko, however you want to pronounce it, um, does settle and travel quite nicely and probably opens a bit more improvement. So... Uh, the Jamie Gary Moore combination mm. for me at Wincanton that three fifty ten to one about about yeah. uh, essential Jacko. That's what I'm going with anyway. Yeah, um, I, I, I prefer the slightly more exotic Yakko. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Rishi, thank you very much indeed. Yes, uh, an absolute pleasure. And um, chat again soon. Thanks to Rishi Passad. Thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, I'll be back with you tomorrow. Bye bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.